Okay, Tov, and welcome back to another in our ongoing series of Shurim on Daf Yomi. We're now on Daf on Ketuvot Daf Chavav Amud Aleph, uh, and the first matter of business we're going to attend to is assessing the end of Mishnah Chet, which was the Machloket between Tanakama, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Lazar, and Mishmu Gamliel about uh, using one witness to uh, to substantiate somebody's status as a Kohen. So remember, Tanakama's position was one witness is good enough. Rabbi Yudah's position is that one witness is not good enough. Rabbi Lazar seemed to split the difference by saying one witness is good enough unless there's a challenge uh, to the person's status, in which case you need two. But then Rosh Gamliel said we always rely on one witness to substantiate somebody as a Kohen, and that therein lies the question, what is the difference between Rabbi Shem Gamliel at the end of the Mishnah and Tanakam at the beginning? So, Rebeliezer, who said, let's first clarify, Rebeliezer, who said that we only need one, more than one witness if there's a challenge, how is it different than Rosham Gamliel? So, you could argue that perhaps they're disagreeing about a case where there's one person who's challenging. And that Rebeliezer says if one person challenges, you still need two witnesses. Rosham Gamliel says only if there's two. There is no such thing as a challenge with less than two people. So that can't be the disagreement. Here's how it works. We start with the following scenario. It's a very strange scenario. We know the guy's father's a coin. And then a rumor went out that this fellow is a Ben Grusha, and so we demoted him from being a Kohen. And now the first witness of any sort is one fellow comes forward and says that he is a Kohen, and then we elevated him. And then two witnesses came and said, and then we demoted him again. So now, the only demotion that was really based on an act of Beitin was this last one. And then one more witness came and said, I know that he's a proper Kohen. Now, parenthetically we say, Everybody will agree that the first single witness and the one who came just now together form a kat. That's at this point in the, in the argument. And they're simply concerned about the, uh, about the degrade, degradation of the Beitin. Once we have demoted him, we can't raise him up anymore. Why? It makes the Beitin look silly. They're raising, they're lowering, they're raising, lowering. Gamliel says, no, since we're the ones who lowered him, we're the ones who can raise him, and there's no degradation, we re- saw it, we had new evidence, we changed it. We're not concerned. It's not that he says, I have no concern about the COVID of Beitin. Of course I do, but I'm not concerned that it will lead to a lack of COVID for the Beitin. Now, that's all fine and well, but if that was the case, then the Machloket should even be true if, in a case where two witnesses came and said he's a Benkush of and another two came, without one and then another one, etc., just straight up two came and then two and another two came, and then whether we will raise him up again or that will make the victim look bad. Ravashi says, therefore, that cannot be the machloket. They're simply disagreeing in that case that we just outlined about whether the one and the one who testify separately can be considered to be one kat. It's a machloket in machloket. Two people see an act, let's say a murder or something like that happen, 
and they uh, and they see them separately because they're looking from two different perspectives. According to Tanakama, that's not Eidu. says even if they saw them in separately and independently, if they testify separately, right? And now we have the Tanaim who say that Eidu does not uh, work unless te- witnesses testify together. You listen to one witness today, and you listen to the next witness the next day. In other words, you don't have to testify together, which means that, according to Rabbi Lazar, the way that we're parsing it, we accept the position of, of uh, Tanakama, which is you have to testify together, and therefore, since one witness came and said he's kosher, and then two said he's not, and then another came and said he's kosher, at no point you have two items saying he's kosher, and Rabbi Shemgamliel holds like Rabbi Natan who says you can have split up Eidut and it still joins together. Good. Okay, the next uh, Mishnah, which is the beginning of Mishnah Tet, is Aisha Shenech Meshabidei Ovdei Kochavim. So a woman was captured by Ovdei Kochavim. If she was captured for reasons of, of money, which here seems to mean for purposes of ransom, then Muterat Labala. And uh, we will see that there's a machlok that we've shown him here that I'll mention uh, momentarily about whether we're talking here about only about an ancient coin or about also an ancient Israel and what the different considerations are. But muter the Baalab, right, because, like Rashi points out, since they're going to be ransoming her, therefore, um, therefore uh, they're going to be concerned that they will lose their ransom, etc., if they, uh, if they abuse her. But I didn't fashot the bala. So I didn't fashot. Look, for instance, if she had a a contract out on her, and they were like a as a bounty hunter, then she uh, the bala because the notion is she's hefker. They have no concerns about what's going to happen later, and therefore we assume tuma. Now the concern that this might be only for Nezir Cohen is because, of course, in Eishit Yisrael is muterot the bala even if she was nansa. Uh, so therefore, there would only be a concern for an ancient coin. The other possibility is that it may be an ancient Israel, and the concern may be that uh, that that perhaps she eventually was a willing participant, in which case she was uh, uh, a sir. And that's the way Rashi reads it in the Mishnah. If you take a look at the Perush of Mishnah the Rambam, however, uh, the Rambam reads it that we're talking about a, a uh, an ancient coin. All right, so we have that machloket. Nonetheless, we get back to our Gemara, and the Gemara states as follows. This entire halacha, meaning the Reisha, if it's Aide Momon, then she's considered Tahorah, is only if the Jewish uh, Beitin has a jurisdiction over these Goyim. But if they're in charge of themselves, then even if it's only for money, because they just have no fear. So Metiv Rava, so Rava challenges this with a story. He's too early Tanaim. There's a woman, a Jewish woman, who was taken as collateral for a debt. There was a Jewish man who owed the money to uh, some non-Jews. And so they went and they grabbed his wife, uh, or they grabbed his daughter as collateral and saying, pay the debt or we're going to keep her. And after they got her back, they, the family distanced her, they didn't allow her to marry, etc. The same witnesses who said that they saw her taken captive also testified that she wasn't touched. 
said to them, if you accept the witnesses who said she was taken, then believe the same witnesses that say that she was not nitma'ah. If you don't believe these witnesses that she was untouched, then don't believe them she was taken at all. In other words, they're saying that you should accept these witnesses, and it sounds like they're saying that uh, e- that even in this case, that in this case, we needed aidim, and without the aidim, even though this was a, 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 cap- a captivity taken uh, associated with money, nonetheless, without the witnesses, um, without the witnesses, we would still consider her tmeah. Right? Ultimate out of the and now what we have is a case where this is Ashkelon, which was a city where there was no Jewish jurisdiction. We assume that it's only a case of Hurhana where the Goyim are going to have, feel a little bit more rights because they'll feel that this is a legitimate taking. She was for a debt, and if they don't pay up the debt, we can do whatever we want. But but a regular captivity would not be the case. And so you see a challenge to the caveat, which is that here, even though the Yarov Tikhovim are, they're controlling themselves, nonetheless, we would assume her not to be touched if she was just Nechbashat. That's the implication. And the notion is as follows. Why would you tell me a story about Hurhana, where it's more likely that she was abused? Why not tell me a story about Nechbashat, where it's less likely, and make it be a finish? The answer is, the truth is that this would, halacha would apply even Nechbashat. If Nachbashah, if she was just taken captive, nonetheless, if, the Jew, if there is no Jewish jurisdiction there, then we assume her to be Tmeah. It happens the story was a story about, about a hero, about a pledge, as it were. Now, Ikadami, some people read it the opposite way. Amarava, Afananamitanina. Rava says, you should not read this story as a challenge to the caveat about Yad of the Kachavim, but rather as support. That's the case. Now, one way we looked at it was that Ashkelon was a place where there was no Jewish jurisdiction. But on the other hand, this case in Ashkelon was a financial case. And the only reason that we allowed her to be considered Tahora was because she had Aedim. Ha ain Adim Edim Otalo and without Adim she would not be Tahoram. My Lavloshna Hurana Veloshna Nachbasha isn't this true whether or not it's Hurana, which is taken for a pledge, or Nachbasha taken captive, right? Which would then support the idea that once it's Yad of the Kochovim, then uh, without testimony she's considered Tmeah. No, Hurana Shani. Alright, and then we, we say that so you so you can't see this as a challenge for the caveat, you also can't see it as a support for the caveat. So Ika Duramila some people took this story and frontally used it as a challenge not to our caveat about Yavdur Khanim, but to the Mishnah itself. So Mishnah said that if it's Mamon, she's Mutter, and nonetheless the Mishnah, the story with Rubiosi had the opposite. So in other words, what happened is as follows. Roshwab Rabbi Yitzchak quoted Rav as saying that our Mishnah only applies if Yad Yisrael are Tkifa on the Ovdei Kochavim. 
But now we're flipping it around and saying, actually, that was not an independent statement, but that may have been a solution to a contradiction between our Mishnah and the implications of this story. And he said, even though the story was about Mammon and Hurhana and Nechmashar are the same, here she needed Aiden because it's Yad of the Kochavin. Our Mishnah is talking about a case for Yad Yisrael. Okay, the very end of the Mishnah said, Aiden Efashot Asura, Amarav Nashi Ganavi. What does that mean? Women who are ganavim and they're doing and they're wanted. A woman who was uh, whose husband was uh, a gangster. This only true if these are women who had already been judged in absentia that they should be killed. disagreed and said even if they hadn't yet been judged, but they were there was a bounty out on them and there was uh, and they were they were being sought out by the uh, by the uh, gendarmes, then indeed they would call that nefashot, and then the assumption would be that the goyim who had captured her would treat her as hefker, and um, and uh, she would be considered tmeah. Everybody should have a wonderful day.